we'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for January 4th, 2015. And um, the next, the last part of this, which is actually going to be a good 13 pages on on the PDF, uh, is going to be entitled The Church of Wells, Critically, Biblically Examined. Okay, so this is about the Church of Wells. Some of you may not have any clue what this is. Okay, this is a church in Wells, Texas, that um, had been around for a little while here, and was started by at least two of my listeners. I believe Jacob Gardner and Ryan Ringnald. Um, I'm not sure if Sean Morse was ever a listener of mine. Um, I know Ryan Ringnald for sure, but I'm not even 100%, I think two out of the three, I think. That's not really what's important. Um, but I do feel as though I have a responsibility to, to do this because I never led them in this direction that they have went. Um, I don't want to, I want to just state that right off the bat. But I do feel an obligation, kind of an overdue obligation in order to do this study. I've had several people email me that are associated with this Church of Wells asking me to do a study about this because a lot of them are, I guess a lot of them are still my listeners. And um, I don't know if that's the case actually, but I've been told that. So I needed to go in there and compile the majority of information I have received on this church over the last, I don't know, couple years, and to make a, do a concerted study and to critically, biblically examine what is going on there. Because my opinion is irrelevant. What matters is what does the Word of God say? Okay? I don't have an axe to grind with them. I don't have hatred in my heart toward them at all. But I don't want to be, see people led astray. And I feel very compelled that I need to do this. So, I had an email recently that came to me and it said, Hi Dr. Johnson, there is a cult in Wells, Texas called the Church of Wells, using your teachings and information. That was the first line. Now, so you know a little bit about Church of Wells. Church of Wells, formerly known as Church of Arlington or Ye Must Be Born Again Ministries, is a controversial group located in Wells, Texas. The group is a very, very small town, like population of around 800. The group is led by Sean Morris, Jacob Gardner, and Ryan Ringnald, former street preachers who are all in their late 20s. It has approximately 70 members, primarily young adults and children. Okay. She goes on to say, I added that in so we'd have a little background here, because a lot of people aren't going to know what I'm talking about. But this is an important... If, if you have no affiliation with this church, please bear with me, because... This is going on universally. Do you realize there's thousands and thousands of Christian denominations out there? Now, number one, I'm not saying they're even calling themselves a denomination. I'm not even accusing them of that. But they definitely have their own doctrine. They definitely could have their own denomination. Maybe they do, and I don't know about it. I don't know. But they... So many of these churches 
Obviously, they all have their own doctrine. There's no Bible, number one, for denominations. And again, I'm not accusing them of having that. But thousands and thousands of these different churches worldwide, different denominations, different viewpoints and this type of thing. And this is why I tell people just to rely on the Word of God and and, and not get sucked into different denominations because which one's right? Of all the thousands, are you just going to have such, I don't know, pride in your thinking to think that I picked the right one and I know that this is the only way? A lot of them will get you to believe that theirs is the only way to heaven. They're the only ones. They're, the, they're so special on the planet that they're the only ones in the world that have it all figured out. And everybody else is liars. Or maybe somebody in the past that, that died or a denomination in the past that died out. They, they, were, they were on the right path. But we're the only ones that have it all figured out. That's the basis for all cults. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists. It always tends to boil down to some works-based theology. So you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to keep this, and you got to keep that in order to ultimately get to heaven. There's all these isms out there. Catholicism, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, and I'm just talking about the ones that have a Christian veneer on them. And ultimately what it boils down to is it's all works-based. Always. You can separate it into two categories. And then there's, you're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. I know I'm oversimplifying there in the gospel. Okay? There's more to it. I mean, in a way, there's not more to it, but obviously you would want to hear more than that one Bible verse regarding salvation. And I've, de- I've done this in depth in my True Salvation tab at contendingfortruth.com. Just key on the True Salvation tab at the top and walks you right through it. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. And, you know, that's the most important tab on my whole website. By far, no comparison. I try to do the current events, and I try to be a watchman in order to bring you to that point if you're not there. And if you already are, then, you know, to strengthen your faith. So, let's go further. This is the... the, the um. The woman writing me, she says, I can with all confidence before the Lord say that they are in co- they are a cult. Now, she's not the only one saying this. She's not the only person who is a Christian who has written me that has said this exact thing. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. Okay, I've had many, many, many people email me. Many of them trusted listeners tell me this exact thing. They all say that it's a cult. And we're going to look at why that is the case. And again, it's not because I'm mad at them. It's not because I'm like got some big axe to grind. We're going to look at the fruit of why that is being said today. They are in fact a cult because I was once part of their group. Who would know better than an insider? Somebody was there. And I am now trying to help my best friend come out of them. In recent years, they have had many instances of false prophecy and even a baby died because they did not seek medical care because the, quote, elders, three young men in their 20s, told the parents it was not the Lord's will. Mm. Well, when she said that there have been many false prophecies, what do I think of? Well, first thing I think of is Deuteronomy 18. Okay? 
So, what does Deuteronomy 18, 20-23 say? It says, But the prophet, which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken, when a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord? Well, here's how you know. If the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. What does the word presumptuously mean? It means they're presuming something, they're, they're speaking something, they're presuming they heard from God, but they're wrong. They're presumptuous, they're presuming. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. Well, back in the Old Testament, a false prophet was a death sentence. That's how serious God takes it. And there's been many, she has that capitalized. Of all the things she wrote me, it's, I think it's the only word she has capitalized, all capital letters. Many instances of false prophecy. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Okay, so when I hear that, that right there, I mean, gigantic red flags. Huge, huge red flags. What does it tell me? They think they're hearing from God, but they're not. Yet they keep going on like they're a true church religion when they're obviously not hearing from God. And they're getting one false prophecy in the Old Testament was enough for death. To be put to death. I'm not saying you go out and kill somebody now. But in the Old Testament, if God's the same today, yesterday, and forever, it's still a really big deal to God. But what I noticed in the charismatic church is you get one false prophecy from one person, maybe you even act on it, you realize it wasn't true, but then you just go on to the next false prophecy. Having itching ears, wanting a new prophecy, wanting some new itching ear prophecy to tickle your ears. I'm not saying they're tickling anyone's ears in this in this group, okay? But that's what I've noticed. People just ignore it like it never happened. And then when I got out of the Pentecostal church and I started hearing, oh, this is a man of God and he does this and this and that. And then I started looking at all the false prophecies the person happened. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about all the false prophecies this guy said? Oh, it doesn't matter. He's a man of God. No, uh-uh. He's not hearing from God. Sorry. I'm not going to follow him. <laughs> He's had umpteen false prophecies and you're telling me to follow this guy? It's not going to happen. we got to be really careful who we're listening to. Matthew 24-23 through 23 says, Jesus Christ talking about the end times, If there, if any man shall send you unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise many false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. Whoa, there's that signs and wonders. Insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Most of the people that have went to this Church of Wells were fundamental, King James, Bible-believing Christians. I don't know how many of them are my former listeners, or are listeners, but I, I suspect, you know, I saw this with Ed Watson. My listeners went up there, but you know, that was so blatantly evil, that situation, that they, they they were fleeing there like, 
you know, <laughs> it was so blatantly evil that environment that they couldn't they couldn't take that place for more than a, a day or two. These guys, Sean Morris, Jacob Gardner, Ryan Ringnold, they're much they're much better at what they do than Ed Watson. They're much more subtle, much more polished. Okay, much more dangerous, really. If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Well, this is what this is what we're talking about here. ABC. She goes goes back to this letter I received. ABC Nightline has done a special on them. The media very closely follows this group because of their cutting off of family communication. That's what they do with their their group. That's that's a prerequisite. By the church website, you may not see many things from their, quote, doctrine. But when you see how they put into practice, there is great concern. See, I don't really care about their doctrine. I care about their fruit. I mean, yeah, I care if their doctrine is solid, biblical. But see, I know by their fruit, if they're going by good doctrine, by their fruit you shall know them. Right? You shall know if it's a tree that's bearing good fruit or evil fruit. See, the last thing in the world I want to do with a Jehovah Witness person is argue doctrine. Or a Mormon. I go after the throat. I go for the throat. That's where they want to get you. Somebody like who's a Mormon. Or somebody who's a Jehovah Witness. They want to take you to some obscure verse in the Bible that they have been, that they have been coached and brainwashed and then have you absolutely, totally steal your faith by twisting certain portions of Scripture, then introducing you to extra-biblical books like the Book of Mormon or the Pearl of Great Price in Mormonism or the Watchtower magazine for the Jehovah Witnesses. These types of things. Okay? Extra-biblical. But see, first they'll take you to the Bible because they know that's where a Christian wants to would, would want to be shown if he was in, in error. I, I, don't, I don't play their game. I don't do that. I don't argue doctrine. I look at their fruit. I look at the obvious things. I look at the 800-pound gorillas in the room. And then I determine if it's a true move of God, if it's truly godly. So we're going to look at the fruit today. I'm not going to argue doctrine. I'm going to look at fruit. I'm going to look at the obvious 800-pound gorillas in the room when it comes to the Church of Wells. And we're going to see if those 800-pound gorillas are biblical. That's what we're going to do. And that's what I advise everyone doing when they deal with religious denominations, cults, whatever you want to call them. Don't play their game. Don't argue on their terms. They'll bring you to a totally different playing field that they have the deck all stacked. It's rigged and it's stacked against you. Deal with the obvious. Deal with the 800-pound gorillas in the room. That's my advice to you. And I've been dealing with people that are involved in cults for a long time. That's the conclusion I've come to. <laughs> they don't like it, trust me. <laughs> I've done this before. You know, with people. And uh, you typically see their true side pretty quick. By the church website, you may not see many things from their, quote, doctrine. But you may, but when you see how they put this into practice, it is of great concern. And again, that's looking at their fruit. How are they putting this into practice? Talk is cheap. 
Words are just words, but how are you putting it into practice? Many of the men do not maintain regular jobs because God has not given them the, quote, faith to hold a, quote, secular job. Therefore, the families suffer. Well, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So that kind of goes against what she's saying here and what's going on there. 1 Timothy 5.8, If any provide not for his own house, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So it really is the man's place to take care of the family. If any provide not for his own, they're talking to men here, the head of the house, okay? And especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Oof. Now, I'm not just... That's just the tip of the iceberg. We're just getting warmed up here. We're not even scratching the surface yet. Okay? But when I read a statement like that, I want to address it biblically. Okay? So let's go further. She goes back and she says, The elders make all the decisions of church members from daily life decisions, jobs, family matters, etc. Now this is somebody that was in this church. The elders make all the decisions of church members. And you're going to see that later as we get further into this study, that that is the case. From daily life decisions, jobs, family matters, etc. Sounds like a very, very much control-freak environment we're dealing with here of these elders imposing their will on this congregation. And when all this stuff about them calling themselves elders, this was the first red flag that, that I really got into. What, what, let's look at that word elder. Let's really break that down. Let's really look at that. Because that's the whole basis for this church, for these, these three men that are making all of these decisions that literally started this church. They call themselves elders. What is an elder? Noah's 1828 Webster Dictionary says eldership, a seniority, a state of being older, the office of an elder, the presbytery, order of elders. Among the Christians, this is Strong's definition of the word elder, the Greek definition, presbyteros, among the Christians, those who presided over the assemblies or churches, the New Testament term, uh, bishop, elders, and presbyters are used interchangeably. Okay, that's important to know. Bishop, elders, and presbyters are used interchangeably in the New Testament. Elder, in the New Testament, according to the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. These are, these are different definitions, so we have a good idea. The word is used adjunctively to denote seniority. See Luke 15-25 and 1 Timothy 5-2. It denotes certain persons appointed to hold office in a Christian church and to exercise spiritual oversight over the flock entrusted to them. From the references in Acts in 1423 and 2017, it may be inferred that the churches generally had elders appointed over them. That elders and bishops were in apostolic and sub-apostolic times is almost universally admitted. In all New Testament references, their functions are identical meaning elders and bishops. The most 
probable explanation of the difference of the names is that elder refers mainly to the person and bishop to the office. Elder refers mainly to the person, bishop to the office of what the elder is doing. Okay? The name elder emphasizes what he is, while bishop is that he is an overseer, emphasizes what the elder or presbyter does. Okay, again, that was from the uh, International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. This is all referenced, everything I'm saying here. Okay, so then let's look straight at what the Bible says. Authorized King James Version, 1 Timothy 3, 1-7. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, which also means elder, he desire the good work, a bishop then must be blameless. It's the first thing that it says a bishop must be. Now, just in the little amount of what we just covered, okay, and we've only scratched the surface, okay, the false prophecy alone, we haven't even got into the other stuff. Keep that in your mind if these men are blameless. A bishop must be blameless. What does that word mean? If, I'm, I'm breaking down everything to the nth degree, okay? Because if there's anybody listening to me from the Church of Wells, I want you to understand. I've researched this, and I'm going to break down everything today and really go in depth so that there's no doubt in your mind. And I'm asking my listeners to pray that they have eyes to see, hearts to receive, and ears to hear. Not because I'm trying to build my own empire. Uh-uh. I just want to see people get right and set free. And operate in truth and in love. A bishop then must be blameless. No Webster, 1828. What does blameless mean? Without fault. Innocent. Guiltless. Not meriting censure. Reproof or reprimand. So that's the first thing. That is the first thing it says a bishop or an elder must be. Blameless. Which means without fault. Innocent, guiltless, not meriting censure, reproof, or reprimand. Does it sound like what I've said just so far, that would be the case with any of them? That they're without fault, they're, and that doesn't mean sinless perfection, okay? But without fault, innocent, guiltless, not meriting censure, reproof, or reprimand. No, sounds like all of those things apply, that they're not blameless to me. Let's go further down the verse. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. When I first heard about this stuff, knowing that I, I believe a couple of these men were my listeners, the first thing I thought when I started getting all these horror stories, and they've been coming in for a long time now, is novices. That is the, that is the one word that kept coming into my head. They're novices. Novices that have started their own church that's morphed into a cult. And we're going to go over the definition of what a cult is later. But that is the, that is the biggest word I got in my head as to why all of this garbage with this church has actually happened. Because you have novices leading the church, calling themselves elders, men in their 20s, that have been lifted up with pride, although they would never admit that, 
See, the problem with pride is pride blinds you. You don't know it's there. A proud person doesn't think he's proud most of the time. Blinded the devil so much so that he thought he could ascend under the size of the north and usurp God in his throne. First sin of the Bible. Pride. Not a novice. Why? Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without. We're going to look at that. Do they have a good report of them with, who are without? Across the board, universally, I'll tell you right up front, no. And that's not by any Christian organization. And, and uh, of course, they're going to say we're being persecuted for righteousness' sake. So, evidently, everybody on the planet is wrong but the Church of Wells. They're the only ones on the planet that are really got it, and they're really on the side of righteousness. Everybody else is out to get them, and they're just being persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's what they're going to tell you. I'm saying that's garbage. They must have a good report of them that are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And I'm going to contend that that's exactly what has happened. They have fallen into the reproach and the snare of the devil, and they've been lifted up with pride. But boy, they're good at hiding it. The three. You, you. <laughs> Novice. In the New Testament, it occurs only once. The word. 1 Timothy 3.6. Which is what we just read. The apostle instructs Timothy that if any man desires the office of a bishop, which is also an elder, he must not be a novice, lest he be lifted up with pride and fall into condemnation of the devil. This means that a novice runs the very serious risk of being wise in his own eyes. You can't tell me these guys are not wise in their own eyes. They they're literally have pastoral oversight of this church and are controlling every aspect of it and producing all manner of fruit, which is what we're going to look at. And you be the judge. You be the judge when you see the fruit. You've already saw some, but you're going to see a whole lot more. This means the Robbins runs a very serious risk of being wise in his own eyes, of despising those who are still on the level from which, by his conversion, he has been lifted. Oh, I kind of see a lot of that. And a lot of the fruit. He also becomes puffed up with the high ideas of his own importance. He has not yet had time to discover his limitations. He does not fully understand his true position in the Christian community. He overestimates himself, or his calling, at least for the time being. For these reasons, he is peculiarly, yeah, peculiarly liable to instability, and to other weaknesses and sins connected with an inflated opinion of his own powers. His pride is a sure indication of a coming fall. A novice, therefore, must on no account be appointed to the office in question, for he would be a sure, for he would be sure to bring disgrace upon it. Try to remember and keep this stuff in your head as we go forward. He would be sure to bring disgrace upon it. Hmm, a novice. The Noah Webster 1828 dictionary defines the word bishop as an overseer which is also used interchangeably with elder, an overseer, a spiritual superintendent, ruler, or director, applied to Christ. 
ye were as sheep going astray, but now you return to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. That's a Bible verse. In the primitive church, a spiritual overseer, a bishop, an elder, a presbyter, one who had pastoral care of a church. The same persons are in this chapter called elders or presbyters or overseers of bishops. And it gives you all the Bible verses those are in. Titus 1, 5 through 7 um, says, For this cause I left Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless... See, you can only appoint elders. I'm not, I'm not saying appointing elders is not biblical. But it says, if any be blameless. First thing mentioned about the elder. You must be blameless. Hmm. I've already said enough to you already to start really seriously questioning if these three are blameless. And again, we've only scratched the surface. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed. Hmm. Self-will. The idea is found twice in the New Testament, in the sense of pleasing oneself. In all these texts, it stands for false pride, for obstinacy, for a persistent adherence to one's own will or wish. And let me tell you something. If you think you got that voice in your head telling you false prophecies, and it's telling you to do this, it's telling you to do that, and these prophecies aren't coming to pass, ooh, that's really dangerous. Because you're going to think it's God's will. And you're not hearing from God. One false prophecy in the Old Testament was a death sentence. Well, how many do you get in the New Testament and get a pass on? <laughs> One false prophecy, you're a false prophet. I'm not saying a prophet would be walking around in sinless perfection, but multiple false prophecies? And again, we just started looking at what fruit here. We're going to get way farther into this. I'm just setting the stage here. So in all these texts, it stands for false pride, for obstinacy, a persistent adherence to one's will or wish, especially in opposition to the dictates of wisdom or propriety. Huh. She goes on to say in the letter, many of the women in the group are severely neglected and depressed. I, I saw that. All I had to do is watch some of the videos that they filmed of these of these poor women. I mean, they look neglected and depressed and totally lacking joy. That's what I saw. Scared. Beaten down. That was my first impression. Ephesians 5:25. Husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as under the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. The women are being neglected. If the wives aren't being given honor, and I don't mean like, you know, put them on a pedestal, but the Bible says giving honor unto the wife as under the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life. Well, if that's not being done, if you're, if husbands aren't loving their wives, don't expect your prayers to be answered. It says that your prayers be not hindered. This is from Sam Adams, and he did a teaching, Husband's Duty to, to His Family, to Love His Wife. Um, 
there's a God-ordained order in the home, and God has placed the husband in headship over the wife, but the headship is not to be exercised, is to be exercised in self-sacrificing love as a servant leader, but not as an overlord. Hmm. What I'm seeing, these women are being overlorded. I know that's not really a word, but boy, it sure looks that way. And because God has placed the man in headship over the woman, with the leadership comes responsibility, and therefore God holds the husband primarily responsible for the marriage and the family. A happy home relies upon a happy marriage, and the first and primary ingredient in a happy marriage is a godly husband who sacrificially loves his wife, who sees his responsibility to love his wife as Christ loved the church, as his primary and most important duty in being obedient to and serving the Lord, and in fulfilling his biblical headship in the family. Okay, that was the description of the teaching. I'll give you a link here, okay, in the, in the PDF. Going back to her letter, she says, I can give you more detail if you like. I am working closely with another family. I ask that you pray about the situation, and if the Lord wills and places it in your heart, perhaps to do a teaching about it, which is what we're doing today. I know members of the cult listen to your teachings. One elder, and God bless you. I mean, I have nothing but love for you. I'm not doing this because I'm against you or I hate you. I'm doing this because I love you enough to tell you the truth. I'm looking at the fruit. An objective third party from the outside who has gotten email after email after email from trusted Christian listeners, friends, and other sources over a long period of time. I'm not just doing this on some whim where, oh yeah, I got this email last week. No, no, this has been happening. This has been building for a long time. I'm probably being disobedient because I probably should have done this teaching a lot sooner. This isn't something I'm just, you know, got some whatever. This has been a long time coming. One elder, uh, okay, so I know members of the cult listen to your teachings. One elder even quoted your teachings saying the Lord gave him a prophecy that he, quote, knows he, meaning me, Scott Johnson, will die a martyr's death. Okay? Listen, I mean... Who knows? Maybe that's the case. But that is how much they're actually, evidently, using my teachings. So now, let's look at this. I'm going to play about five different videos here. So we can get some other background on this group. And I'm going to be stopping to comment along the way. Now again, we're just getting started. I don't know how long this is all going to take, but... Um, I'm in this for the long haul, and I want to get this teaching all done today and posted. And hopefully, uh, get this into the hands of as many people at the Church of Wells as possible. Because I think I'm trying to examine this. I, I, I think this is probably one of the most complete, I'm hoping it's the most complete study that's ever been done on the Church of Wells. From a lot of different aspects, from not just one source... But we're going to be trying to look at the really big picture to really examine the fruit here. So, I'm going to play the first part right now. So, when you drive around here, what is it that you're looking for? I'm looking for Catherine. Andy and Patty Grove are searching the streets of this tiny town for their 27-year-old daughter, Catherine. There she is, Patty. Is that Catherine? I can't... No, that's not her. 
Is it? Last year, she left home in Arkansas and joined a group called the Church of Wells. She didn't tell us she was leaving. We don't know why she left. And we've seen members going in and out of these shanties right here, you know, after midnight, carrying boxes. Here's Catherine on a video from the church webpage. I do not change my wretchedness. Her parents say the passive woman you see here is a far cry from the Catherine they remember. Hello. Can we speak to Catherine, please? So they're they're going, these poor parents who are just trying to communicate with their daughter, who has been totally cloistered off and cut off from all communication with their Christian parents, who basically the Church of Wells would say are just unsaved devils. These two people are pretty sure they're missionaries, Christians, and they're just trying to go to different houses where they see these church, and they're just being ignored. So Christian, so wonderfully Christian. But because evidently they're better, they don't have to answer or acknowledge their presence, even though they're just wanting to talk to their daughter. Their daughter who they love very much. Can we speak to you for just a minute? They, they just won't answer when, when you yell I out. I talked to uh, Hosanna before one time. Hosanna! literally months, we've been trying every possible way, phone calls, Facebook, you name it, to reach the so-called elders of the Church of Wells, three very young men, to see if they will come on camera and answer some of the criticisms about their church. Zero response. But the love of Jesus Christ! We first decided to look into the Church of Wells when we saw the kinds of videos they were posting of themselves. Members of the Church of Wells are mostly affluent, young, and tend to be from devout Christian families, as is true of the leader. You're going to fall into a ditch, and you're going to burn in hell. There's Elder Jeff Gardner, recently... That's how they street preach, okay? And, again, I'm not saying I'm against street preaching, okay? But I do not see people who are street preachers, that go out there and scream at people and aggravate people and get in their face and tell them they're going to hell and what a piece of garbage they are, essentially. I don't really see a lot of salvation conversions regarding them. And you can ask them, and a lot of times they'll go to these events, these ones that do that, and nobody gets saved the whole day. And they've screamed at thousands of people, nobody gets saved. I would be more of the approach that you want to go to them in Christian love and in truth, but, like, do we have to get in their face? Do we have to let them know that they're all going to hell and they're going to burn and rot forever? Do you really think that is the proper way? Did Jesus Christ stand on street corners and tell everybody they're going to hell and condemn the Pharisees and Sadducees and prostitutes? Actually, he went to them in love. He went to them in gentleness and in meekness. And that's how they got converted. From what I can see in the Bible. Okay? 
Uh, the people that Jesus Christ went to boldly were the Pharisees and Sadducees, were the false religious leaders of the day. Then, yes, he called them serpents and vipers and in in white and sepulchers full of dead man's bones and you know, because they were the ones literally coming under the guise of God, taking people to hell, doing it with a biblical veneer on it. And Jesus Christ couldn't stand that. So, I'm not against street preachers. Um, but I think there's a certain way, biblically, that it needs to be done. And going out and trying to provoke everybody on the street and make them hate your guts, probably, from a soul conversion standpoint, may not be the ideal way to do it. Okay? That's all I'm saying. And we're going to get into this more later. Let's let's continue on. Now, again, this is ABC Primetime that's doing this show, but you really need to watch this to, to kind of see the, the reactions they're getting and, and the, the being... The totally being ignored and, and the fact that they've been contacted all these times and they won't, they just ignore people and it's like, this is what you expect in a cult. This cloistered, sheltered environment where, you know, you're just like cordoning yourself off from the world. Arrested for preaching on the grounds of a high school. Ryan Ringald, a former fraternity... And here's another thing. About the street preachers I've been around. And this is from my, my days in independent fundamental Baptist churches. Okay? I have listeners that are street preachers. I had one just email the other day from uh, Hawaii. And God bless them. Okay? So I'm not making some blanket condemnation about street preaching. Okay? I'm not doing that at all. Street preaching, I think, is biblical if done in a biblical way. But I am telling you right now, and let me tell you something. I was in the most, I would say there is no greater denomination where pride can enter in more than the unregistered church movement. Unregistered. Okay? Not incorporated. Not 501c3. KJV preaching independent fundamental Baptist movement. I was heavily involved in that movement. Spoke at the conferences, did the whole nine yards. And I'm telling you without a doubt, I have never seen a movement with more pride in it than that. And the ones in the movement that had the most pride were the street preachers. You couldn't even hardly talk to those guys. It was like you could just tell if you were talking to them and you weren't doing exactly what they're doing, being a street preacher, that you were lower than them. Did they come out and say that? No, but you heavily sensed it. Heavily. And this happened to me on multiple occasions. I'm just telling you what my experience has been. Okay? Again, I'm not against street preaching, but there is no other sect of Christianity where you have to, if you are one, you better pray for humility. Because I have never seen pride come in more, have the propensity to come in more than on street preachers. Maybe maybe a mega church pastor. But it takes a lot of boldness and courage to get out there and do that. Okay? I'm not saying it doesn't. And we are 
the body of Christ? And can the finger say to the eye, depart of me, I have no need of you? So we're not all called to do the same thing either. Most people aren't called to do that. All I'm saying is if you're called to do it, pray for humility. Pray that pride does not well up in you. Because from my observations, there is no other calling in Christianity where you will have to guard against that more than being a street preacher. Especially if you're out there telling, you know, actually giving the gospel. But my concern is doing it in the way God would want you to do it. And I don't mean going out there being mealy-mouthed with no backbone. Okay? I'm talking about striking a biblical balance. Where you're not out there just flagrantly trying to like, just infuriate everybody there, which is only going to make them hate you, which is only going to basically reinforce their whole thing about why they hated Christians in the first place. See, look at that guy. He thinks he's better than everybody. He's always telling me he's, I'm going to hell. And you're, I don't see how you're going to win souls that way. That's my opinion. Okay? And, and, and you could say I'm wrong. That's fine. Okay? But I tried to frame that Okay, hopefully I framed it where I got my point across about what I'm trying to, to say here. I'm not condemning street preaching. But please, if you are one, pray for humil- humility. Pray that the Holy Spirit would speak through you and that when you go out there, they're not your words. They're the Holy Spirit's words. And that pride never wells up in you. And that God gives you a true love and a heart for the people you're going to be witnessing to. And that you don't drive people away from the gospel by what you're doing. Because, honestly, that was pretty much the norm of what I saw in street preachers with an independent, fundamental, King James, unincorporated, non-501c3 church movement. That was the norm. To offend people. It was like a badge of honor. It's one thing to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. It's another thing to go out there and try to just flagrantly stir up the hornet's nest and get people to hate your guts. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Let's go further. Eternity brother at Baylor University in Texas. The fool says in his heart that there is no God. And Elder Sean Morris, the one many consider to be the true... Elder. I mean, these guys look like little kids out there. I'm not saying that, that, that God didn't maybe put a, a calling to do this, but elder. We just looked at what the definition of an elder. Okay, and, and, and again, the first thing mentioned was blameless, and we're going to look at more of the fruit later of these elders to see if they're blameless. That's what the Word of God says! He is 27. So now we are driving directly into Wells. See if we can find them and uh, talk to them in an unscheduled way. Arriving at Wells on left. Hey guys. So the guy from ABC is walking up to their store. They have their own store there, which is one of the ways I guess they generate income. R&R Mercantile there in Wells, and he's walking up, and the people that generally go to the store are Wells church members. I think a lot of the town has boycotted the store because they know who owns it, because they're so, basically, the, the, the whole town can't stand them, 
okay, from what I've gathered, and I've went on public forums, and I've read enough things to know that, for the most part, the town cannot stand them, okay? So he's walking up and trying to talk to some of these these men in the church, just trying to talk to anybody at the Church of Wells, and he's just, he's not being confrontational. He's not being, like, in their face at all. He's being really cool about wanting to talk to them. This is the uh, lumber yard owned by members of the church right next to a gas station, which is really maybe the only business in this town. It's a very small town. Let's see if we talk to these guys. Excuse me, are you guys with the church at Wells? This this part to me is just unbelievable. He goes up to these guys at the Church of Wells, and it's just like they don't even know what to say. They're they're just like clueless, and they have the most like I don't know if it's condescending, smug, condescending look on their face, and they can't even speak a word to this guy. Maybe because the elders aren't there to tell them when they can speak and when they can't speak. Yes. Well, we're from ABC News. We're just looking to talk to some of the people from the church. How you doing? Are you with the church? Good. Uh, yeah. Can we talk to you? Oh, uh, the grass is great. <laughs> Are you guys with the church? They're, they're, the one guy's just looking down. He won't answer the guy. What is the problem here? Why can't you at least talk to the guy? If you're proud of your movement and you think you're the only ones on the planet that have salvation figured out, why aren't you why aren't you willing to talk to them? To give an answer for the hope that is within you. I, I don't understand that. You look like you're getting ready to say something or And not a word. He won't say anything. It's pathetic. I don't understand this. They may be vocal street evangelists, but they don't want to talk to us. Is there somebody from the church who will talk? How Christian to just ignore this guy and and say nothing. I mean... <laughs> oh. And one of the elders... Talk about awkward. This is like a poster child for the, the most awkward moment on the planet. This, 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 you gotta see this. You know? It's just, it's maddening to me to know that some of these people are my listeners. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Maybe we'll ask inside. They ask us to put the cameras down and for the next hour, we wait inside their convenience store. Sean and Jake eventually show up, but they don't want us to film. We, we spoke to them for a little bit, and uh, eventually two of the quote-unquote elders of the church came and respectfully asked us to leave. Uh, we made our case and said we'd like to speak to them at length, and uh, they said they'll have to think about it and pray on it, but then they told us they would like us to leave. They seem to have lowered their profile in the months since the families of their members have started asking questions. 
didn't didn't take any of his belongings. Or he basically had a little. Okay, so this is a father of a church member that that is in this Wells church now, and it's showing a picture of him and the father speaking, the dad speaking. Well, handbag left with his wife and daughter in the middle of the night. Fred, whose son Brett is a member, has been trying to reconnect with him for years. There was no communication, and it was almost like a death in the family. And for one family, it was a death. We prayed for all the kids caught up in this uh, group, and we prayed for the parents and the grandparents that have been cut off, just like we have. They were once close with their grandchildren, but their daughter left to join the church three years ago. Not long afterwards, she texted her parents with a big announcement. It was a beautiful picture, and it said, delivered into the loving hands of my husband, eight pounds, six ounces. I love her already. It was Sunday evening. We were sitting out by the fire, and my phone rang, and it came up with Daniel's cell phone number, and I knew. I knew. Within days, there was a problem. The baby wasn't eating. Her hands were turning blue. 911, do you have an emergency? Oh, yes, I do. Well, my, my newborn baby has died, and I need the sheriff's department. When did she die? So I don't know if you heard that, but he says, this is a 911 call. He says, my newborn baby's died. This is from the Church of Wells. This is the couple that had this baby. And the the, the operator, the 911, is like, well, when did she die? Probably about 1 o'clock today. This is the 911 call Daniel made to police 14 hours after baby Faith died. But why are you just now calling about it? Well... Christians and we were praying. Remember what I said before about honoring your, the, the one, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to get your prayers hindered, okay? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I think I've already went over some iniquity. Iniquity is basically sin, okay? Doesn't mean we walk around living in sinless perfection, but obviously there's some big whoppers going on here, okay, at this church. And how do you expect to get your prayers answered? Well, hey, was there some false prophecy rendered over this baby? So we're going to resurrect him back to life because that's why they were doing it. They thought that in the 14 hours they were praying over the baby and they could resurrect him back to life. Now, I'm not saying that God can't resurrect a baby. But God is not going to do it in, a, in an environment where all of these things are going on. He's not going to hear your prayers most likely. I mean, if he did, it would be totally from his mercy. Police say church members had been driving around town with the baby's lifeless body, stopping at various places to pray over it. On this audio tape of the memorial service... That's not too morbid. Let's drive the little lifeless baby's body around, and maybe this church couple will have what it takes to pray over it and bring it back to life. Maybe they're right with God, and God will bring them back to life through them. I don't see any Bible for that. Posted on the church website, the elders say they were praying for the baby to be resurrected. After that child died, we believed that it was God's will that the child would be raised. In their report, the Texas Department of Family... So, is this another false prophecy? I mean, it kind of sounds like one. One that blatantly, obviously, didn't come to pass. Protective Services 
stated that there was reason to believe that the death of baby Faith was due to medical neglect on the part of her parents. That was all two years ago, but last month, a grand jury chose not to indict anyone. I felt betrayed by the, by the legal system because I, I felt like there was no... That's the grandparents of baby Faith. She's saying, I felt betrayed by the legal system. Justice. I mean, they had time to get the little baby some help. I mean, it wasn't like this just happened suddenly. There was, I mean, their hands turned blue. There was, I, I don't know if there was days involved. I think there was that led up to this, okay? So, I mean, it wasn't like they didn't have a heads up. Something was wrong. So okay, sent- so this is day two of them trying to get a hold of them, even though they've already been rejected blatantly and outright. I don't know what why they think they're going to get any kind of sit-down with the uh, elders. John Morris, one of the elders of the church who we met last night, uh, a text that says, Good morning, just checking to see if you've had a chance to consider my proposal. We'd be happy to discuss further anytime, wherever is convenient for you. So we'll see if he gets back to us. As we wait, we drive around town. We see members of the church, the women wearing prairie dresses, walking the streets. Hi. And yeah. we meet non-members it's who are uh, eager to share their opinions. How do the locals feel about this? It seems like all the members pretty much, I don't know if any of them, I think some of them have cars, but I mean, they're literally on bikes or they're walking everywhere. And it's it's like, you know, this whole thing about we can't hold what they'd saying before about them not holding the secular job and this and that and in the women suffering and the family suffering as, as a result of that. And so I'm seeing evidence of, of that. And then here's a couple people that live in this town and they're giving their opinion on the Church of Wells. The Church of Wells. Can't stand it. We visit with a local pastor who tried to welcome Church of Wells members when they first got to town. I told them that I wanted to meet with them and find out who they were. How about Pastor Jim? Uh, I forgot his last name, but anyway... Uh, hear what he has to say. 20 hours worth of meetings. 20 hours? Yeah. Did you learn anything useful in that time? Yeah. Yeah, I, I learned a lot of real disappointing things about them. They- so here's a guy that took a real long, hard, honest look. 20 hours worth of meetings. Okay? And this gentleman is probably in his late 50s, early 60s, okay? And here's what he has to say. Believe that they can actually judge whether somebody's been saved? Yes. I guess to put it in a in a nutshell, uh, I think they're boys trying to do a man's job. I couldn't agree more. And see, that's the conclusion he came to. And when I started getting all this information coming into me, that's been coming into me now for I don't know how long, a couple years, again, the big word that kept going into my head about this, the first thing that always came into my head was the word novice. Boys trying to do a man's job. That's what you. That's the impression you get, even when you see them, whatever, strongly, lest ye being a novice, being lifted up with pride and falling into condemnation of the devil and the snares of the devil, but not knowing it because the pride has blinded you. And here, this gentleman, this pastor, confirming that. Uh, you know, the scripture talked about where. They desire to be teachers, but they have need for somebody to teach them. <laughs> Listen, I couldn't put it better than that that pastor just put it. I couldn't. He nailed it. Is just a quick question? Neighbors 
have similar complaints. So you live right next door to a lot of these guys. Yeah. What are they like? Uh, they're weird. Do you worry about how this all ends up? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we worry about what their motivations are. I mean, what is their what's their ultimate goal? What are they doing here? You know? How do people around here refer to the group? As a cult. Publicly, the elders... Ha- it's just common knowledge. They're a cult. And they're not... They do not have a good report of anybody outside, whether they call themselves... Or you could say, well, they're all apostate Christians judging them, and it's all secular crowd. Okay, but look at all the other stuff that we're looking at here. Look at all the obvious fruit that we're seeing here. Maybe they've got a point to their argument. It's, it seems to me that people in the community have a point to their argument, whether they're saved or unsaved. And, and I mean, it seems really obvious to me that they've got a really good point. ...have contended that they are not a cult and that the members are with them of their own free will. But the families, desperate to maintain contact with their children, disagree with that. Okay, so we're going to go to the second video. We've traveled to East Texas in hopes of finding answers to the questions being asked about the Church of Wells. Ladies, can we talk to you for a moment? Hi. What's that, sir? Are you asking us to leave? I just want to ask this is private property. Okay. We will. We will. Many members of this group have cut off all contact. You can't have any contact with the outside world, essentially, is what it boils down to. Lest you be corrupted. Lest you be corrupted. There's a Bible verse that deals with that. In fact, I want to get into that right now before I go any further. It's, um, I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay, so the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5 9, I wrote you an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters. For then must ye needs go out of the world. In other words, the only way not to interact with people in this world, which is a, a, what they're attempting to do here, other than when they go out and scream at people and tell them they're going to hell, that's the only time they want to uh, interact with anybody, okay? The only way to do that is to go to the moon. Or Jupiter. Or Pluto. Which I really don't think is probably hospitable as far as living conditions go. I wrote you an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of the world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then ye then must ye needs go out of the world. So say, it this doesn't apply to the fornicators of the world, not to company with them, and it doesn't mean you yoke yourself up with them, okay? But to totally ignore them, and to just act like, oh, oh, get off my property, I can't talk to you, I can't even look at you, you're, you're like beneath me, I'm, I'm basically, you're going to make me unclean, which is the impression you kind of get. This sanctimonious, holier-than-thou, pious garbage. The Bible says not to do that. But now I've written you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater, 
or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. With such one, no, not to eat. That's who you're not, we're not supposed to company with. If there's somebody who calls themselves a brother, and they're a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or extortioner, that's the one you don't eat with. But these other ones, they're shunning. There's no, there's no Bible. I understand. Don't yoke up with them. But, you know, a little common courtesy... Couldn't you at least, you know, have a little conversation with them? Show them a little bit of Christian love? It doesn't make any sense from a biblical standpoint how they're behaving. With their families back home. In fact, the group's doctrine has a lot to say about why members often stop communicating because of something they call the five scenarios of familial judgment. Parents classified as level five are considered the worst. The church says those parents are dominated by emotional hate to invent evils and advance sin and Satan. See, this is how they get everybody isolated from their families. Who they basically, it doesn't matter if they're really born again Christian families. They're a threat to their little cult and their little cult belief system. So they have to isolate you like all cults do and cut you off from everyone you love and everyone around you lest you might start seeing the truth again. That's why they're doing it. I'm sorry. Hi. I'm Dan Harris from ABC. He's trying to just talk to anybody in this church and just getting the same response over and over and over again. News. Can I ask you a quick question? Do you mind? No, I'm sorry. Are you, are you part of the Church of Wells? We recognize the next couple we run across. Well, they've all been well coached, and, and you know, that's that's why they're they're playing their little part. Brittany and Justin Southworth. Can I ask you a quick question? We've spoken with Justin's mother before coming to Wells. She told us her son had virtually ceased all communication ever since he joined the group. I always have my phone. I always check my texts. Always. Hoping. She sounds really wicked and evil. The the mother that just wants to have a conversation with her son, but he can't call her or can't do anything lest he be defiled. It's kind of funny. I was around my parents for a long time after I got saved. Okay? And they didn't defile me. I didn't participate in what they were doing. They were still my parents, though. Was I going to win them to Christ by ignoring them and by letting them never see my daughter, Taylor? No, you know what? I believe God used Taylor ultimately to get them saved. And if I would have cut them off from that and never let them have any response, they would have never been receptive when I led them to the Lord on their respective deathbeds. Neither one of them would have been. I I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think God used Taylor, but because I did let, and I didn't participate. I mean, they threw a big party. They wanted me to come. I didn't go. Okay, I didn't do that. But there was a biblical balance there. I also didn't disrespect my parents. This is blatant disrespect of parents, okay? These are not, it's not like, you know, the mom's all covered in tats or something and she's, you know, listening to hard rock music and headbanging and shooting up heroin or something. These are parents that genuinely care about their children, okay? You shouldn't, I mean, listen, if you're secure in Christ and, and, and you're secure and you know what salvation is, why can't you have interaction 
It doesn't mean that I'm going to go and go to Christmas with them and exchange Christmas gifts and do other things that would, would border on the whole pagan thing. Again, let's have biblical balance. There's no biblical balance here. This is just like everything just, you know, just radically shifted in one direction. And if you don't adhere to this, you're going to lose your salvation. You're going to go to hell. And you can't let your parents basically get you into hell. And having any interaction with that, you're risking that. This is what they're being told. And we're going to get into that. Justin condemned his mom in an online posting entitled My Carnal Family, especially my mother, Susan Southworth. He argued that his mother needs to repent from blatant evil. He's criticized her for wearing pants and for letting him watch television. She wore pants and she let him watch television growing up. How dare she? He had the audacity, the disrespect of his own mother to come out with a report on light. Like, that's going to really help her. Like, that's really going to get her to see the light and see what a wonderful cult her son is in. All that is going to do is create further division, disrespecting his mother even more than he already has. Again, is any of this going to get anybody saved? The fruit of any of this, ultimately. Is it going to get anybody saved? No. All it's going to do is drive people away from God, which is exactly why Satan loves these types of cults. For one of his birthdays, I made him like homemade cinnamon almonds and his grandmother bought him a book of hymns and he said he had to return all the gifts, that it would be a sin for him to accept them because we were not saved, therefore the gifts are unclean. Susan was not- So everything that, that she sent him out of the goodness of her heart as his mother were unclean and evidently all cursed. Now, I'm big on don't bring cursed items into your house. Here's a mom making some stuff for her son. I mean, this is so insane and out of your mind that, that I don't even know where to begin. Not invited to her son's wedding. And now I have a granddaughter um, that I've never seen. She told us she is considered a level five parent. So it's been years that I've been... T- level five, the worst one of them all, according to their their grading scale. You know what? They need to have the show. Remember that show, Most Evil, where that one guy graded all the psychopaths, basically on level of evil, and like level 22 was the worst one? Well, she would be a level 22 serial killer in Church of Wells' eyes, evidently, because she was a grade five mom. They just wanted to have some interaction with her her son and and be able to exchange some gifts with him. But evidently, you know, she's just way too evil for for them to have any interaction with because they're so holy. They're they're so holier than thou. They're so sanctimonious. They're so pious. I mean, what pride-filled, hypocritical behavior, what unchristlike behavior to exemplify toward your mom Honor thy mother and father. It's not like here's a woman that is, you know, trying to get her her uh, son into like, um, you know, drug dealing or something. Told I'm um, unclean and I'm going to hell and I'm living in a state of damnation. I think is the term that they like to use. When we, uh, you know, really edifying, edifying, wonderful little teachings there. And and uh, again, you know, this whole. 
It's like they've brought the whole street preaching thing that they do, where it's just you're going to hell, you're going to rot, you're going to burn, which is only going to drive people away from Christ. And now they've incorporated it into their doctrine and, and, and ingrained it into their into their little cult members. And they believe they live in constant fear that if we're around anybody that is that is unsaved, they're going to corrupt us, and we're going to go to hell. Because our salvation is so unsure. Also, our salvation is so based on works. On us earning our way to heaven. We better not stumble lest we lose our salvation any second. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of cults out there that operate like that. This is not the only one. There are tons of them that operate like that. And keep their adherence in constant fear. They have no no feeling of ever of any kind of security in Christ and and no feeling of you're saved by grace and and not not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast no it's all on your it's all dependent upon your own actions and upon all i mean you might as well just be a catholic then you know just you know we're earning our way to heaven i hope we can I hope we don't have to do as much time in purgatory you know and maybe if everybody's praying and giving enough whatever we'll get out of there quicker i mean we're 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 approaching that. This is just another works-based religion, as far as I can see. Track him down. We try to ask Justin about all of this. Have the elders encouraged you to cut off um, communication with the members of your family? Nothing at all? You know, we talked to your mom. These, uh, the men all look like cookie cutter. The way they react the way that it's so mealy mouth and the way it's just so like, you know, it's just like they're all robots following the three elders, parroting whatever they're told, being good little, little Church of Wells brown shirt Nazis. This is the impression you get strongly when you watch this. And she misses you very much. Um, have you talked to her recently? Speak up! To give to her? They can't speak up. They're, they're, they, they can't even, you know, speak up! Be a man! Give me a break! Can't hear him. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. You go, go on hating your mom, Justin. Just go on hating your mom because she's, you know, you're right. She's gonna, she's gonna corrupt you and pull you into hell. You know? That's, if that's what you're basing your faith on, man, you are not even saved yourself. In fact, no one seems to want to talk. Can we talk to you for a second? Can we have a quick word? Why aren't they so proud to proclaim their Church of Wells doctrine and proclaim it on the highest mountaintop and, and get out there and let everybody know what they stand for? I guess that's a no. Hi, Chris. All the guy does is get doors slammed in his face or just get people saying no, no comment, can't say anything, not going to do this. We also managed to track down Kristen and Daniel, the parents of baby Faith. May I have a quick word with you? You sure? How about your husband? Daniel, may, may we have a quick word? Hi, I'm Dan Harris from ABC News. No, the elders haven't sanctioned it, so we have to just do whatever they say. You know, we have, we, we can't, uh, the, the, the 20 year old elders know and hear the voice of God constantly and, and we're gonna do as they say. Do you mind if I, do, 
answering a quick question? Uh, no. I'm not Here's the dad for, of, of the baby they let die and the guy you heard on the 911 call. And so they're trying to ask him. You know he's not going to say anything. Can't, can't talk? No, sir. <laughs> Daniel, I know this is a tough question, but is there any reason why you didn't... This, this reminds me of no difference than, like, some type of Waco, like... And I'm not saying what they did to the Branch Davidians was right, but it, re- it, it really gets you in that whole, like, if you've ever seen pseudo-Christian cults, like certain sects of hardcore Mormonism, where they have, like, multiple wives and stuff like that, and they all wear the prairie dresses and the stuff like that, and it, it really gives you that same vibe, that same feeling of this, uh, of, of, if you've ever seen stories about those types of cults. And call for help when Faith was not doing well? Not at all? Yes, sir. There is, however, one person we can't seem to find. This is also one of their houses right here. Who's this, Patty? In September... Okay, I'm sorry. The, the video stopped there for a sec. It says there's one person we weren't able to find, and that's Catherine Grove. And, um... That, that was originally the ones the parents were looking for at the start of the video. Church posted an affidavit from Catherine saying she doesn't want to see her family and that she is a member of the church of her own free will. We love her. We support her. But the problem is these men standing between us and our daughter. Family is important. That's her singing in the background. That's like my favorite song. I love that song. And her voice sounds just exquisitely beautiful. And it's just like I see this and it's like, oh, no, 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 this is wrong. This is so wrong. Tear your hair out wrong, you know. And her parents, who I think are missionaries, I mean, these are not like, you know, bikers like from the Hell's Angels trying to get their kids back. You know, most of all of them have come out of fundamental Christian families, but they just were told, well, they're not near hardcore enough, and if you, you know, in fact, they're devils, and in fact, they're, you know, this this salvation is this unbelievably ubiquitous thing that you, you might, might, might be able to earn if you just live a perfect, sinless perfection life, and we at Church of Wells have figured that formula out, and if you don't do it our way, you're going to go to hell. You know how many times I've heard this? And what arrogance that that stems from to have the audacity to think that you're the only or one of the only small little cloister groups on the planet that are actually going to heaven. Do you know that's the basis for almost all cults? They, they all teach their adherents that well, we're the only ones. I mean, we're obviously the right way, even though there's like a billion, a million other ones of us out there saying the same things. Some of them are secular. Some of them are Christian. Which one has it figured out? You know what? I'd rather just stick with the word of God and not start to say that I'm I'm Miss Prophet Scott or whatever and tell everybody how wise I am and I'm the only one that has it figured out. In fact, I'll tell you the opposite. Okay? Don't follow me. Follow the word of God. This is why I say don't follow man. Because of this stuff. Because increasingly, more and more and more, Getting into any kind of denominational, even group setting, you might run into this stuff. The devil targets these things. And, and I'm not saying don't have home churches or don't have, but man, be on guard. Pray about this stuff because it's so easy for stuff like this to enter in. Okay? 
Um, let's go further here. Okay, so I just checked, and I need to go to part four. I'm running out of time on this one. So I'm going to end part three, and we'll go to part four next. God bless you.